Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. You ready? Luke chapter 2, if you want to go with me there. Uh, we have a short message. Don't worry. It's quick, but it's good. It's the Christmas season. How are you feeling about it? You feeling good? Are you feeling grateful? You better be because we're in the grateful series, huh? We're feeling super grateful. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesarea Augustus that all the world should be registered. I'm going to read it off here. This was the first registration when Quirinius, I don't know how to say that, was governor of Syria. And all went to, re- to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house of the lineage of David, which just right there, pause for a second, that is one of the most powerful little lines in all of scripture. Why? Because if you've read the Old Testament, one of the most powerful scriptures, one of the most important scriptures in all of the Old Testament is 2 Samuel 7 when it says, it declares and prophesies that there is going to become a king who will reign forever, who will come from the line of David. And so as you read Luke, Dr. Luke telling us and recording both in Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel, the nativity stories, they both let us know that Jesus is in fact from the line of David. So that might be just a okay verse to you, but man, it's powerful to me because it means God says and promises things and he will accomplish it. Amen. That's good enough. You good? That should be enough for you today. Tough crowd, tough crowd. Do you need me to sing? Do you need me to yawn? Some of the kids, do you need me to pretend like I know the words and I really don't? Um, bless her hearts. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, he was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Notice this, the word manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. There it is again, manger, second time. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which, which the Lord has made known to us. And they, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Third time we see the word manger. And they, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been, told from, had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at, uh, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And, the, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Would you pray with me this morning? 
Lord, we thank you for um, such an amazing day already in your house, in community, and in church. So we're so grateful for this church and the community that we have and the generations of young people that have been raised in this church and will continue to raise up in this church. Lord, we're just so grateful. Our hearts are full today, knowing that this Christmas season, Lord, we can just truly uh, rest in gratitude, in joy and hope and peace, just knowing, God, that you've accomplished so much for us. So today we just pray, God, with the remainder of the service, Lord, you'd speak so intimately and individually to each and every one of us. Say what you want to say, God, and do whatever you want to do in and through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah. Yo, all right. Could you help me, that, that sweet kid that's so ready? I need your help. I'm not re- so ready for Christmas. Any, who's not ready for Christmas? Yeah, that's what I expected. I, I don't even have a tree yet, so that's how unready I am. Um, I felt like Miss Scooch a little bit. I'm like, I have not, I have not got my tree yet. Uh, there's no lights at my house. In fact, I'm so unprepared in life. This morning, I left for church this morning and apparently forgot to close my garage door. And my sweet neighbor texted me and said, did you mean to leave your garage door open all day long? I was like, no, I did it. And they so kind. They shut it for me. Uh, thank God for nice neighbors. Uh, but it's, it's, I'm just, I'm just not prepared. There's, there's a preparation that goes into getting ready for Christmas and I am not one who's prepared for it yet. It, don't tell me how many days away it is. I know. Um, and it, it's, it's overwhelming what goes into prepping for Christmas, isn't it? Especially if you have friends and family coming over, if you're hosting Christmas Eve or Christmas day, you, you got to clean, right? Uh, and if you have guests staying the night with you, you let's be honest, you're always redoing that guest room, you know, every year. It's like you got to take out all the stuff that's cluttered in the closet or there's been stuff. It's Oh, the guest room is like the junk drawer. It's the version of a junk drawer, but a whole room, right? Can we be honest? Except for you that are so like organized. The rest of us, it's a junk room, Okay. And it only gets used a couple times a year. And so this is the time of preparation where we have to get the room ready. We got to get the house ready. We got to get gifts ready. We're all in a season of preparation leading up to Christmas. And in fact, it's exactly what Advent is. And many churches will celebrate um, Advent leading up to, to Christmas, which is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. And if you celebrate Advent, each, each Sunday has a different theme. There's themes of hope. There's themes of peace. There's a theme of love. And on the third Sunday, which just happens to be this Sunday leading up to Christmas, happens to be the theme of joy. And this is, this, is, this is what we celebrate. Now, the word Advent comes from the Latin meaning coming. It's this preparation. It's this idea that, that Jesus is coming or Christmas is arriving or the, we're waiting and preparing for the arrival of Jesus leading up to Christmas. So Advent is something very important for us to recognize and to think on and to ponder in this Christmas season in the midst of getting presents, right? Getting the house ready, holiday baking, watching every Christmas movie. That's your favorite. Uh, listening to all the Christmas music, all those things are good, but nothing compares to the preparation that's required for Jesus. And that's really what this season ultimately is about. It's the preparation time for Jesus to do what he wants to do in our lives. It's the, it's the, it's the arrival time. It's the coming time. It's the leading into a dramatic, climatic moment of Christmas morning when we realize he's done this all for me. This is the Christmas story. And so I was thinking about this this week, and then I was listening to Christmas music because it's the best music of all time. I start in about January, or July, not January. (laughs) Oh, could you imagine? (laughs) 
my name is also Noel, and <laughs> and I leave Christmas lights up all year long. Oh no, that's just my mom and dad. You guys, real quick, real quick. Just one year. Oh man, it got me. I went over to their house a couple weeks ago and I was like, wow, how is my mom so ahead of the game? I was like, she already has Christmas lights on. And I'm thinking the twins have been born. There's a lot going on in their house and just around in the family. So I walked inside and from the garage, from the time I got out of my car by the garage into the house, I thought, those have either been up all year long or mom is so ahead of the game. So I walked in, I go, mom, did you just get those Christmas lights up? Or have those been on all year long and I haven't noticed? She's like, don't tell anyone. They've been up all year. <laughs> Pastor Connie, hey, if, if she can make that kind of no judgment for any of you, for any, it's the only time it's happened. Uh, but there's something about preparing and um, getting your heart ready. And I was listening to the song, Joy to the World. You know that song? It's a good song. You know the lyrics, joy to the world, joy to the world. And it says, let earth receive her king. Now there's this other lyric in there that I've always sang and maybe never really understood. It says, let earth receive her king. And then let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Let every heart prepare him room. Well, what is the, what is the great lyricist saying about this ancient kind of Christmas carol, this, this Advent carol? From 1719, it was written. I'm sure he's talking about Mary and Joseph having a place in a room in the inn. And we just read in Luke chapter 2 that there was no room for them. But I think also this is a reference to us preparing in our hearts a place for God. And a place for God to put in us this Christmas season whatever he may want to inject into us or deposit into us. There's a point in this journey, especially leading up to Christmas, where you got to prepare and I think we have to prepare for joy. Have you ever realized you got to choose joy? Have you ever felt not very joyful? And then you realize you choose, you prepare for it. You make room for it. You, you make a decision to allow the, the joy of God, the great joy to come and invade you. And I think that that's what this Christmas season is about. It's about making room for God to bring joy. And to bring joy and the arrival of his joy into your heart. No matter what your Christmas may look like and no matter what you're anticipating your Christmas to be like, you can have this in your heart and spirit, an anticipation for his joy. That's what Christmas should be about. It shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be all about presents. It shouldn't be all about family, although those things are fine. But it absolutely should always be about Jesus and the great joy that only Jesus could offer. And we see that in Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two says it plainly. And the angel said to him in verse 10, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now I love this so much. I love that this is really what Christmas is about. Christmas is all about what God has done for us, not what we have done for him. It is all about what he's offered us, all about what he's brought us through his son, Jesus. And his son had to become a human so that we could experience this kind of joy. And so we see this in Luke chapter two, and I love it that he says this and announces this great joy to shepherds first. Shepherds are the first ones to hear about this great joy and this good news. Why is that so awesome? Well, shepherds were not exactly of the highest class of Israel's day. In fact, outside of lepers, shepherds would have been the lowest class of men in Israel. They were those men who were out in the fields. They obviously couldn't abide by ceremonial laws, so they were ritually unclean all the time. And so they weren't considered within their day a very high class of society. They were considered the lowest. 
And here comes the announcement to this group of people that says, fear not, for behold, I bring you, you, the one who doesn't deserve it, the one who might think he doesn't deserve it, the one who doesn't understand fully what Jesus has come, come to do. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And when you talk to the lowest, you're making a big, bold statement, aren't you? That Jesus truly is for everyone. When Jesus brings good news, salvation story to the shepherds, what is he saying? He's saying it's for everyone. No one is excluded. No one misses out on this great joy opportunity. No one can escape the good news and great joy of who Jesus is and what he's come to bring. Now, I pointed it out on purpose. It was intentional. The manger, you see it three times. Dr. Luke mentions manger. Matthew's nativity story doesn't mention it quite as much, but Luke makes a very important point here. Three times in chapter two, he says manger, manger, manger. Why is that a big deal? Well, shepherds would know what a manger was. You and I might remember, you know, Sunday school and it looked more like a crib, right? The flannel graph, you remember we had flannel graph. Did you have that in Sunday school? And it was like, it looked more like a manger than, or a crib than anything else. But a manger was not a crib. It was a trough. It was an animal trough. And so for Dr. Luke to be so specific in Luke's gospel to mention the manger, that Jesus would come to a manger. He's making this point clear to the shepherds and anybody who will listen is that Jesus has come for you. You who might feel lowly, you who might not feel like you've done anything. You're right. You haven't. You've done nothing to deserve it. That's the greatest story of who Jesus is, is that he's come and it's not about us and there's nothing we could do to obtain it. It's just simply the goodness of our savior that would come for all people and bring great joy to everyone. It's available for you. Thank good news for those of you who don't think you're very funny and you don't like to laugh very much. Don't worry. Great joy is here for you. Those of you whose favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life, I don't understand that. That makes me sad on the inside. I'm more of like an elf home alone type person. Make me laugh. Don't make me sad for like an hour and 15 minutes and then give me like two minutes of joy. It's not my kind of Christmas. It it takes too long to build, George. George, your life seems sad too long. Make me laugh. And some of you think, well, I don't, I don't feel that kind of joy on an everyday basis. Well, that's what's so amazing about this text is it says the word great joy or the phrase great joy. Now, joy is a phrase and a description that's in the Bible, in the scripture, over 200 times you'll see joy described. And joy is an everyday occurrence. Joy is available to you every single day. If you read Pastor Paul in any of his letters, oh man, he talks about joy, doesn't he? He loves joy. But great joy Although joy is mentioned over 200 times, great joy is only a handful of times. Both Matthew and Luke in describing the birth of Jesus use great joy. Both Matthew and Luke also use great joy when they talk about the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. It's all, it's all, we see great joy used in the book of Acts when describing how the Gentiles get to be a part of the family. And even Jude, in the book of Jude, the one little, book, one little page, you probably have missed it many times, uses great joy to describe that life that we're going to have with Jesus forever. But it's only a handful of times that we see great joy. Why? Because it's the most important moments. It's the one that has something to do with Jesus. It's the one where you allow and you make room and space in your heart for Jesus to come and deposit joy in you. When, they don't, when you don't feel like it, I know. 
Sometimes I can sing the Christmas songs as much as I want, but this, the traffic and the amount of people at the mall and everybody just going crazy over Christmas doesn't always make me feel joy. But you know what does? When I remember what Jesus came to do. And I make room and I prepare. You have to prepare for joy. You have to prepare for it. Otherwise, you will find yourself December 26th, waking up and thinking, what? It's over? What happened? And your house still is a mess and there's food everywhere and there's wrapping paper and there's a lot of, there's a list or a pile of gifts that you have to exchange or return. And you wake up and you go, oh, that was good. Or you wake up on December 26th and you think, wow, whew, God is good. And what great news he's brought to me and my family and our community and our city. He's brought a news of great joy. And I can participate in this story of goodness and this story of joy, but I make room for it. Now, when you're getting ready for people to come into your house, what do you have to do to make room? You got to remove. You need to clean up. You got to move some stuff around. And there's, in order to prepare for God to bring some joy, I think some of us need to remove some things so that there is room available. Let's make room for him this Christmas season. Let's make room for joy, great joy. Not just everyday joy, not just moments and fleeting moments of happiness. The thing about gratitude, and psychologists will tell us this today, psychologists are making a huge connection between gratitude and joy. The more grateful you are, the happier you are. The more, the more gratitude you walk out and walk through and live out every single day, the more joyful you'll be. There's a connection between, between being grateful and being full of joy. But you got to make room for it. You have to make opportunity for it. You have to choose it. And this is what we're asked to do. Christmas is not about what we've done for ourselves. Thank God. Thank God. That's not what Christmas is about. You know what Christmas is about? It's about everything that Jesus has done for you. Everything he's done for me. Everything he's done for all of us. And Luke chapter 2 verse 10 tells us, for all the people. Not some. So the family member, and this one's going to hurt, sorry. So the family member you don't like, ooh. Good news of great joy for that family member. For that friend, for that neighbor, for that person, for that situation. No, no, no. Jesus has come to make a good news story about a good God who's so faithful to everybody. And that is the great joy we have. We get to stand on that joy. We get to live with that joy. But it's preparing. This is the Advent season leading up to Christmas. We only got one more Sunday before Christmas. But we can prepare. It's the arrival of his joy. It's the arrival of his peace. It's the arrival of his hope that we have in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, if all we do in sweet little Miss Scooch, is that her name? Scooch. Look at, she can, I, she could recognize, right? And some of you, I think we're sitting there thinking, oh, this is cute. But I think some of you realize I can recognize with that. I can identify with that. I've looked for all this opportunity and, 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 and I've looked for this and I've looked for that. But ultimately this, Jesus and Jesus alone is the only one who can bring good news to your story and great joy to your life. He's a good news God. And he comes today, I think, to tell you and remind you that this Christmas season, open your heart and make room. Prepare. Prepare like you would for Christmas morning. 
Prepare your heart and your spirit. We spend all our time preparing for food and presents and entertainment and Christmas parties. And those are all good and fun and I love them. But nothing will compare to preparing my heart for Jesus. So prepare. Open your heart and prepare for him to come and offer all that he wants to bring joy into our heart. Great joy. Now, you know what's amazing is that before the angel announces great joy, there was great fear amongst the shepherds. If the band wants to come forward, or I think it was a guitar in a cajon, the same difference. <laughs> there was, the angel announces great joy, but the shepherds were filled with great fear. And that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? That great joy often comes surrounded by fear. And you might have sorrow this Christmas season or fear or disappointments or discouragements. Yeah, so did the shepherds. They understood that too. And oftentimes joy comes and breaks through and breaks into that fear and that discouragement and that sorrow and that tragedy. Why? Because that's the good news story of Jesus. He wants to break in and the child, Jesus himself, who is joy, Jesus himself, who's just joy. He's the one that comes and he's going to be the one Isaiah tells us will be a man of sorrows and will be, and will be inflicted who will be acquainted with grief. He will understand all these things you might be walking through this Christmas season. But Jesus is joy. It's who he is. And if Jesus himself can walk through any trial and circumstance and situation and still be joy to us, then let's represent the joy that we have in Jesus. John chapter 16 says this, that no one can take your joy. He says this to the disciples when he's saying, Jesus himself is saying, I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to bear some tragedy and some pain. And I'm going to take on a lot for, for you and for me. But no one can take your joy. Did you know that? No one can take your joy. No one. You think, well, but this situation. No, 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 no. No one can take your joy. If you've made room for great joy that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And then this scripture, I love it with all my heart. Nehemiah says it, I've quoted it so many times and I really truly think it's the mantra of the Christian story is this, that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord. Not the joy of Christmas, not the joy of holidays, not the joy of food. Although thank God for Christmas food and that song was right, there is no time for dieting during the Christmas season. It is all time for gluttony. Kidding, that's not in the Bible. But it's, but it's all about Jesus. And this is the season that we need to prepare to let God come and move into our hearts, move into our spirits and bring great joy. Would you stand with me today?